the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along today. A gorgeous day here in the city of Pittsburgh. It was a big uh, big celebration today. It sure was. It was our annual, I think this is the 14th annual Pastor Appreciation Luncheon, where pastors from all over Western PA gather together. And um, we, we met today at South Point. Yes. The um, Hilton Garden Inn in South Point. It's an event that we love. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we love the opportunity to talk to our local pastors in Pittsburgh and yep. just say thanks. Some 200 pastors today joined us. Just fabulous. More than that. More. Yeah, there's really? more than that. Okay. You weren't the one counting, right, but it's was okay. Not, no. But anyway, it was terrific. So thank you all if you came. Um, and if you didn't come, I think we got an audio recording of our uh, main speaker, Brian Chapel, who was absolutely terrific. And uh, we'll tell you more about that later. Outstanding. Hey, uh, we always like to go to the White House and uh, check in with Greg Clugston, who joins us from SRN News. Greg has a front row seat reporting from the nation's capital. And uh, Greg, thanks for coming along today on a Tuesday instead of your typical Monday slot. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Hi, John. Hi, Kathy. Good to be here. Yeah, always good to have you, Greg. We're excited. Um, I mean, to have you with us, not about any of the topics we're going to bring up, because they're, <laughs> some of them are difficult to talk about. So the first one is that the president today, in speaking about his impeachment, likened it to lynching. Uh, talk about what he said in and in what context. It came in the form of a tweet, uh, not surprisingly, because uh, he, he communicates so often on Twitter. And so uh, he's been talking about, of course, impeachment in uh in a number of ways. And so it was about eight hours ago, so it was about eight o'clock this morning, and uh, this is what the tweet said. So someday, if a Democrat becomes president and the Republicans win the House, even by a tiny margin, they can impeach the president without due process or fairness or any legal rights. All Republicans must remember what they are witnessing here, a lynching. And so he is talking about uh, the what he is calling really an illegitimate process. That's something that he has complained about. That it's unfair, sure. and that he doesn't. He and the Republicans don't have any rights. And so, obviously, the use of the word lynching sparked even perhaps more controversy than usual today from from a tweet because the president uh, often gets uh, people people talking early in the morning. But the, but the use uh, and it's obviously it's a it's a racially loaded word and it speaks to a difficult uh, part of our country's history, and uh, you have Republicans and Democrats here in Washington today, um, both saying that uh, that that was an uh, that was not a good use of of language and uh, it was is probably uh, no not probably that it was inappropriate to use that word. Right. Well. Uh... I mean, it is. It's, you, there's nothing else you can say about no, it for the president to use that word in any sort of context. Uh, as it's a, just not. No, it's, it's not just, appropriate. And right. it's so not the blowback helpful. was, you know, an appropriate blowback. 
so then what you had is you had the principal deputy White House press secretary, Hogan Gidley, with the assignment to come outside and talk to reporters today uh, here at the White House and try and defend, which he did. He defended the president's use of the term, saying that what the president clearly was saying, Hogan Gidley said, he was clearly saying that he was referring to his mistreatment by the news media uh, since before he even took office. Well, in reading that text, that it's, it's uh, that, that that message on Twitter, it's not clear that, that there was no mention of the news media. Right. There were there was mention of Republicans and Democrats and the constitutional process. And really, what the president was saying today is that um, well, by using the word lynching, he is attacking uh, the impeachment inquiry that is currently underway and uh, is is really going after what is written into the Constitution as a political. Mm-hmm vehicle for members of Congress to use if they are concerned about abuse of power or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And so he's really going after the constitutionality as a basis for impeachment. What about the subject uh, in general? Where are we in the impeachment? You know, I hear stories saying, oh, yeah, you know, uh, this is definitely going to happen before Christmas. And then I hear other people saying, no, I don't think Pelosi's going to go for it. Yeah, it's you know, Kathy. It's really it's really hard to not, to know what the timeline is going to be, and they, a lot of us here in D.C. are trying to guess that, um, and we we simply don't know. I will say that today, um, it appears that there is very important testimony that took place today on Capitol Hill, and, and again, these um, these depositions that the impeachment panels are hearing on the House side are happening in private behind closed doors, and so we're getting reports from uh, from members who are in on those meetings. Primarily Democrats, I might note, but also we are getting, um, for example, the opening statement today from this man, Bill Taylor. He's a former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine for three to four years um, during the previous administration, and then he was called back by the Trump administration, and he is serving in a, in a temporary uh, capacity as ambassador to Ukraine. And he has, and he is a career diplomat um, for the United States, has worked uh, for the United States for for decades. And uh, people, uh, rep- members of, 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 of the lawmakers who were in on this deposition today, on this hearing, this testimony, came out describing it as very disturbing, very concerning, meaning what he laid out in terms of evidence of how he saw that there was very inappropriate behavior and pressure put on by the Trump administration to Ukraine uh, with the withholding of military assistance by blocking a White House meeting with the new uh, Ukraine president unless he, he moved forward on a 2016 election and a Biden investigation. Of course, that gets back to that whistleblower complaint right. letter and the phone call that the president had. No, wait, no, wait. Let me let me interrupt you for a minute, Greg. So is when he testified, was he talking about the the phone call? You know what? I'm still looking through. Um, we have just in the last few minutes before um, I came on your uh, on the air here, um, we have just gotten a copy of the 15-page opening oh statement yeah. that that this ambassador read to the lawmakers, and we don't even know what the Q&A was between okay. him and the lawmakers. So I, I don't have a specific answer to that question, but he is he is laid out. Um, and uh, his concerns about what he saw was a, a really a direct line of, of uh, coercion between the White House 
and Ukraine. And, um, it, you know, that's, that's, that's all basically what we know right now, although the 15-page opening statement is, uh, is, is public information at this point, and a lot of us are, are sort of pouring through it to see what we can find out. I see. Greg Clugston is with us. Greg is the SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, we're talking about stories today that are fast-moving. Uh, let's go international and talk to us about Syria and the Kurds. Right. This uh, this is also has a new development today, John. Russia and Turkey got together. So you had the presidents of Turkey and then Russian President uh, uh, Putin getting together uh, in Turkey, and they announced an agreement to uh, patrol the entire northeastern Syrian border together, Russia and Turkey. And, of course, that's the area uh, that Kurdish fighters have been trying to defend for the last number of years, along with the assistance of the U.S., so a couple of weeks ago, President Trump says American forces need to go out. That left the Kurdish fighters all to themselves. Turkey moved in and started fighting. Last week they announced a ceasefire. And now Russia is moving in to move its troops right alongside Turkish troops along this very border. And so uh, it's very interesting that the United States, uh, with, with President Trump's announcement a couple of weeks ago, has essentially removed itself from that area. Uh, even though there was this temporary ceasefire announced last week that the president was all excited about and was hailing, um, Russia moving in is uh, is obviously a concern sim- simply because we've seen what Russia has done uh, in in Crimea, for right. example, uh, which is a part of Ukraine. So uh, that's that's a, that's the latest development regarding that part of the world. Wow. Okay, Greg. With time running out, I do want to bring up the uh, situation with the. G7 happening at the Doral Resort owned by President Trump, and it was scheduled for there, and he said it was going to be terrific, and it was no big deal, and then there was a public outcry, and then he changed his mind. Yeah, this is, some, this is one of the few times, I guess, the president has uh, backed off or reversed his uh, his announced decision regarding um, policy matters or, or scheduling events uh, during his time in office. So uh, every seven or eight years, the United States plays host to this G7 summit, which is the summit bringing together the, um, you know, the most powerful economy countries in the world. And uh, he decided, the White House decided, that uh, the event next summer would be held at his Trump resort in the Miami area, the Doral Club there. And so all of a sudden, you had not just Democrats but Republicans saying, that just does not look or smell good in terms of, you know, uh, the idea that the you know the president's own personally family-owned property could could benefit from having you know world leaders come in and and all the expense and all the rest. Even though the president said he was going to do it for free and that he wouldn't earn a penny on it, but he said you know, the White House said, look, there was we we make, we did a uh, we did a search around the country and this was the absolute best place to do it. Uh, in in the country, and uh, the outcry was just overwhelming, and it was bipartisan. And the president said, "Okay, we're pulling the plug on this idea. We'll look for a different place, I a see. different location." Well, speaking of the president and uh, places to stay, we're holding our breath because tomorrow the president yes. is headed to the city of Pittsburgh. Yes, he is. Uh, he'll be there in the middle of the afternoon, or early to mid afternoon, for a couple three hours, and. Holding your breath, that's a good idea. Yes. <laughs> Greg, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for checking in to bring us up to date on the fast-moving stories today. You're welcome. Greg Clugston, SRN News White House correspondent. We'll take a quick break, come back. Stephen Mansfield's with us in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about uh, the Kurds and Syria. Stick around for that conversation. The Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM and WPIT Radio. 
101.5 WORD. Your station for leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Long before creation, Lucifer rebelled against the holy God and he was thrown out of the heavens and he wanted to take the earth for his domain, but he couldn't until Adam handed it to him on a platter. Dr. Michael Youssef. And God had to rescue planet earth from the foreign invaders of his property. And he did this on a hill called Calvary. Dig deeper into this on Leading the Way. Tomorrow morning at 6.30 on 101.5 WORD. Summit Church presents She Is Light, the 2019 She Is Conference, October 25th and 26th at the Kowalczyk Convention Center in Indiana, PA. A powerful two-day gathering for women of all ages, dedicated to seeing every woman rooted and grounded in who she is in Christ. Join hundreds of other women for uplifting worship and inspirational teaching with special guests Lisa Harper, Havila Cunnington, and more. The She Is Conference 2019. Get tickets now at sheisconference.org. Do you enjoy helping others? Consider a career at Accessibilities Home and Community Services. As a leading provider of in-home care for people with disabilities since 1954, Accessibilities is dedicated to quality care. Flexible schedules, 100% employer-paid health premiums, competitive dental and vision plans, and paid time off are just a few reasons to consider Accessibilities. Visit Accessibilities.org or call 724-832-8272 today. Accessibilities is an equal opportunity employer. This is a solicitation of insurance by eHealth, an insurance agency offering plans from different insurance companies, no government or Medicare affiliation. The described coverage is not available in all counties or cases. Paid actor portrayal. Hi, I'm Dave Nemeth. And I'm Barbara Niven. You may have seen us on television talking about an all-in-one card that has the Medicare community talking. The one that gives you coverage for hospital care, doctor visits, prescription drugs, in many cases, even eyeglasses and dental care. For a monthly price that some people find too good to be true. Except it is true. One card, one company, one complete package of Medicare benefits designed to help you get well and stay well. Now that's something worth talking about. Watch your mailbox or learn more online at onecardnow.com. That's onecardnow.com. Please don't put this off. It's too important. Visit onecardnow.com for free information with no obligation. That's onecardnow.com. What if your next career could help you change lives? It can. As a thriving financial representative, this is more than a sales career. It's an opportunity to help people connect their faith and finances for good. Positions are available in the Pittsburgh area. Thrivent provides ongoing coaching and training and a benefits package you'd expect from a Fortune 500 financial services organization. For more information, please call Kelly Perry at 724-836-7772. If you don't dispose of the unused prescription drugs in your home, they could end up lost, stolen, or misused. DEA Take Back Day is Saturday, October 26th. To find a collection site near you, visit DEATakeback.com. When you read the newspaper or hear the news and the subject turns to Syria and the Kurds, I imagine that for a lot of us, we think, what exactly is going on? I don't understand the history, the dynamics, what is happening here in a really contested area of the world. It's become front page news this last week or so as President Trump has decided for the United States forces to pull out. We contacted Stephen Mansfield. Stephen's been a guest on our show several times throughout the years. He's got a podcast, and in the podcast, he addresses this uh, deeply about the betrayal of the Kurds again. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, the faith of George W. Bush, the faith of Barack Obama, the character and greatness of Winston Churchill, and choosing Donald Trump are more recent titles 
founder of the Mansfield Group, a media training firm. Stephen Mansfield is a speaker and consultant and joins us now. Stephen, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be with you again. Thank you. Yes, yeah, Stephen, I also don't want to forget to mention that you wrote a book on the Kurds. Actually, that was the first thing I ever read about the Kurds. It was a people group I didn't know anything about. The book's called The Miracle of the Kurds, a remarkable story of hope reborn in northern Iraq. But can we start at that beginning point? Who are the Kurds? Well, the Kurds are, the, probably the simplest way to tell it for most people is the Kurds are the descendants of the ancient Medes. Uh, the, the people we read as being the Medes and the Persians in the Bible, these are their descendants. They have uh, lived in the mountains, basically, the Zagros Mountains in, in Iraq and uh, southern Turkey for most of their history. Uh, they are a noble, generous, kind people, fierce warriors when crossed. Uh, we in the West mainly came to know more about who they were during the Saddam years, because Saddam hated them. They were tribal, they were... Uh, people who kept to themselves didn't want to be folded into the you know neo Babylonian dreams that uh, that uh, Saddam had, and so we saw him uh, murder them. We saw him um, drop mustard gas on them. We saw him try to decimate them, and that's when the West came to their aid. And then we began to experience them at a deeper level. We began to understand that how, how how turned towards the West they were, how turned towards Israel they were, which was unusual for a 97% Muslim people. And then, of course, they fought at our side uh, while we've been battling ISIS. So uh, they're some of the most beloved people now in the world. Uh, according to the polls, most Americans really do love and support the Kurds. But like the Jews, you cannot say that the, the Kurds have their own homeland. Exactly. The Kurds are 35 million people strong worldwide, the largest people group in the world, without their own homeland. And, of course, what they'd like to have as their homeland requires pieces of Iran, Turkey, Syria, mm-hmm. Iraq, some of the most contentious countries in the world. Still, though, we're going to have to deal with this question of a homeland for the Kurds. Uh, and that's what's going on right now. That really is the pressing issue. Now, am I right in thinking, Stephen, that at the end of World War One, there was a promise from America that there would be a move toward a country for the Kurds? You are exactly right. President Wilson, you may recall, issued his 14 points, uh, which was sort of his wisdom for the post-war world. And he specifically said there ought to be national determination that different groups should have their, their, their right to claim a homeland for themselves. And the Kurds were specifically mentioned. But unfortunately, the European powers and the Sykes-Picot Treaty and other uh, treaties uh, bargained those rights away, and the Kurds got folded into sort of a concocted nation called Iraq. Iraq's not one of the you know ancient nations. It's, it basically was put together after World War One, and the Kurds were used as a buffer between the former Ottoman Empire, which basically is Turkey, and then the Sunnis and Shiites in the south. So they have been used. They have been denied their homeland. Uh, they have been betrayed by the West time and again. So then, Stephen, let us fast forward to today, 2019 in October. Last week, President Trump said, I'm going to pull out of Syria and somehow the Kurds are going to be affected by this. Please make sense of that for us. Well, it's hard for me to make sense of his decision because I think it was the wrong decision. Uh, The fact is that the Kurds, again, are living in this balancing act uh, on the edges of some of the most contentious countries in the world, one of them being Turkey. And the current president of Turkey, Erdogan, uh, is a man who considers almost all Kurds to be terrorists. And that's because there's a communist guerrilla faction called the PKK that caused a lot of trouble in Turkey. So you have a combination of Erdogan uh, convincing Mr. Trump that he's got a Kurdish problem he's got to deal with, 
uh, Mr. Trump doing what presidents do and reaching to international affairs to distract from their domestic woes. And then, and I don't mean to be unkind, but Mr. Trump just does not understand the region. He's just not experienced in the Middle East. And so he, uh, Peggy Noonan, I thought, said it very well on one of the Sunday morning talk shows. She said that uh, Erdogan rolled Trump. He just, he just blindsided him and convinced him to do something that was horrible. So uh, we had a small amount of troops on the northern border of Syria that was keeping Turkey in check, protecting the Kurds, and uh, guaranteeing some of the gains that uh, Kurdish rebels had one in Syria. And Mr. Trump, having promised in his campaign years ago to not have endless wars and not have U.S. troops abroad uh, unceasingly, suddenly decided really quite, quite literally overnight to pull those troops out. Now, 500 troops, I have to say, while it's very effective militarily, it's really nothing. It's really nothing in the larger scope of things. We've got 12,000 troops in Afghanistan right now, and nobody's, you know, really not very many people are complaining about that. So all of that to say it was a bad move. He pulled our troops. Now we have the, the Kurds souring on us. We have the Turks moving down into Syria. We've had large sections of Syria returned to Assad, who is the dictatorial president of Syria. It's just a bad situation. And, of course, what we're doing ultimately is betraying our allies, the people who fought ISIS with us, fought Saddam with us, and have stood at our side. So it's a, it's a pretty horrible situation on the ground. Stephen Mansfield is our guest, New York Times bestselling author of The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, Choosing Donald Trump, and his excellent book on the Kurds called The Miracle of the Kurds, A Remarkable Story of Hope Reborn in Northern Iraq. Okay, so let's step back, Stephen. Um, your perspective. Uh, talk about your experience there, how you became interested in this people group, and what your personal investment's been. Well, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, when the Kurds began to pour into Nashville in the early 90s. This was because there are, had already been some prominent Kurdish families in the city and because the Kurds were escaping Saddam. So Nashville to this day now still is, has the largest Kurdish population of any U.S. city. Mm. And, of course, I got connected with them through a number of organizations that were serving them and working with them. And uh, I was a writer, so I was fascinated by what was going on. And pretty soon I got pulled into going to Iraq uh, and helping with what needed to be done. Uh, The organizations I helped built uh, schools, they built housing, they provided medical clinics. And given my specialty, I began to lecture in the universities. I did sort of a high school-level PBS uh, kind of series on democracy on their television network. Um, and I began to lobby for them a little bit unofficially in D.C., which is where I'm sitting now. It's where, where I live half the year. So I've gone, gone to and there and back repeatedly. Um, I do a number of things. I, again, I'm an informal lobbyist for them. I advise the government a little bit. I'm consulting on their constitution right now. The Kurds want to roll out their own constitution, and so I'm advising on the religious liberty clauses and uh, trying to encourage Western investment in the region because I'm a big advocate for the Kurds. The Kurds are really the way we want the Middle East to go. They are pro-democracy, pro-West, pro-Israel, and moderate in their Islam, again, for a 97% Muslim people. And, so these, and, these are people we want to build with, for heaven's sakes. And somehow pro-women. They are. It's, it's pretty stunning. Again, 97% Muslim people, but their brand of Islam uh, allows them to have female generals, female Supreme Court members, female uh, entrepreneurs. Um, it's pretty stunning. In fact, some of the most effective troops against ISIS were uh, female assassin squads that, who were lauded the world over. So 
Um, they really are, the Kurds really are the way we want to see the Middle East go. And so, other than Israel, they're our best allies in the region until perhaps now, unfortunately. So, Stephen, in stark black and white terms, can you trace a best case or worst case scenario? The Kurds are unbelievably forgiving. They probably are going to continue to be our allies. But as you probably saw on the news, people were throwing potatoes, for heaven's sakes, at the Humvees leaving the region. Uh, the, the worst case scenario is genocide. The Turks hate the Kurds. They're already using white phosphorus. Uh, there are horrible pictures coming on my phone from friends sending pictures of children who have been doused in white phosphorus. And I don't mean to be too graphic here, but that basically means that your, your skin continues to burn uh, unceasingly. There's no way to put it out. Uh, and this is what the Turks are using against the Kurds. So we're likely to have genocide. You're likely to have hundreds of thousands of Kurds flooding into the northern Iraq, Kur- Kurdish regional government, KRG as we call it. Um, and that's, by the way, in a region that's already taken in a million refugees from the ISIS uh, you know, assaults down in the south. Kur- the Kurdish the regional government in Iraq has been amazing. So the worst that happens is genocide, slaughter, um, more just horrible killings of like with white phosphorus and so on, and a, and a refugee crisis in the KRG region. The best is that the U.S. Uh, leads the way to a no-fly zone, puts Turkey in check, um, guarantees the Kurds land elsewhere or you know pretty close to where they already are and that things subside peacefully. I just don't believe the latter is possible because I think that Turkey um, has been made some promises. I, I think unfortunately Donald Trump has promised them uh, that they can move into Syria and, and basically take over the land and drive the Kurds as far as they want to. And so I think once again the Kurds are going to be the uh, the, the people who take the brunt of these international machinations. So perhaps what you're saying, I mean, what you are saying here, worst case scenario, we're going to witness slow motion genocide over the next several months. That's that's the worst case scenario. And I was on the ground, as you may know, when all of this began to unfold. I just happened to be in Erbil in northern Iraq. You could feel the change. You could feel the fear. You could feel the old... Uh, terror rising in the Kurds because they've been here before. We have betrayed them this way before. Um, and not just not just the U.S., but the Western powers. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. The worst case is massive uh, refugee crisis and slaughter. Again, uh, Erdogan's the kind of man who has recently said he'd like to retake Jerusalem in a jihad. This is recent. And by the way, this is a, this is the head of a NATO country, and Turkey's a NATO member. So yes, I think we're going to see slaughter on an unprecedented scale unless something holds it in check. The good news is the majority of Congress, including the majority of the GOP, are not in favor of what Trump has right. done. So they're trying to get him to walk it back. Right. Stephen, we're up against a break. But before we go, um, I want to ask you about the Kurdish uh, commitment to fight against ISIS and what that could also mean in the immediate future. Well, that's that's the really tragic part of this beyond just the slaughter of Kurds, and that is that the that the Kurds had not only fought at our side to battle ISIS, but they were manning these prison camps in Syria that had as many as 10,000 ISIS fighters. Now, that's just the males. Women and children were in other camps, and the numbers rise to as high as 30,000. We already know that there are breaks, breakouts happening, escapes, that uh, cars are being exploded just outside of prisons so that... Uh, you know, many are getting away. So we may end up having to fight a new war against ISIS, a war that we had already fought. 
and the Kurds were absolutely essential. They, the Kurds are amazing fighters, unbelievable. They they raise their children to, to to shoot from an early age. They shoot on one leg and then the other, just really skilled. And so they were stunning against ISIS. But now we may have to fight that war again, and I'm not sure that we'll have the Kurds as allies if we do. Stephen Mansfield is with us. You can find Stephen on the web at Stephen Mansfield TV. We need to take a quick break. We come back, we're going to reset and change our subjects. We're going to talk about consider long, act quickly. Stephen Mansfield continues to stay with us in just a few minutes. So there's this guy named Jordan, and he's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. But then he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer, stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jordan and his wife, Jenny, was, is this really going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. If you want to find out more, here's a number for you. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course we have great eats inside too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. Today's world craves leaders, leaders with vision, moral character, and independent thinking. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And since 1986, Rama Christian School in Moon has laid the foundation that makes leaders. Through academic and extracurricular activities designed to be as instructional as they are competitive, through mission and service opportunities, arts and athletics, an independent school where pre-K through 8th grade students are formed to become the independent leaders of tomorrow. Schedule a tour at ramachristianschool.org. Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma, here's to progress. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. Tonight, chilly air moves in. Skies will turn out partly cloudy and will drop to 43. Then tomorrow, you'll see partly to mostly sunny skies. We'll have a cool breeze with a high 58. Variable cloudiness tomorrow night with a low of 44. 
Then Thursday, you'll see a mix of clouds and sunshine. It'll be a little milder with a nice afternoon. The high will be 66. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. Stephen Mansfield is with us. We're talking in the last segment about Syria and the Kurds. And Stephen, uh, you know, you're such an interesting man. The, the way that you look at the world and how you see international and inside personal as well. You, you wrote a piece that really sort of resonated with, with both Kath and, Kath and I about consider long and act quickly. Talk about that, please, about the three worst decisions you've made. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, uh, this is a principle I learned from Guinness. I wrote a book, as you know, on the, about the Guinness family, mm-hmm. how they were impacted by John Wesley, and uh, and how they developed this amazing company that pumped so much uh, in, into the poor and did so much benevolence in the world. And uh, they, one of their principles was consider long, act quickly. In other words, they lived in a world, as we do now, where people make decisions on, based on bad information, uh, based on no information. They make quick decisions, and then they end up having to uh, live out the implications of those decisions, and usually they're negative. But the Guinness has taught me, uh, ponder long, take your time, get your facts, do your research, and then act quickly. And it has really helped me. Uh, I have made bad decisions in my life because I was emotional. I've made bad decisions because I didn't like some of the people involved in the decisions, and I reacted to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made bad decisions because of my own insecurities and because I wanted to be part of a group that uh, that I probably shouldn't have wanted to be part of. And so I ended up having to you know, live down those decisions long term. But I, I do a lot of consulting, as you say. I work with a lot of leaders, and I try to get them to slow down just a little bit uh, consider long and act quickly, and and then I find that as I urge them to do that, they they really make wiser, happier, more more prosperity inducing decisions, and so I'm I'm grateful for that opportunity. Stephen, I've shared several times on the air here that I quit a job one time in anger, and I had good reason for being angry, but my um it was the opposite of consider long it was <laughs> it was impulsive it, it was it was actually not consider is what it was um and then i did act quickly uh, but i can't and and here's the thing i think is important to say is that the reason that i was as angry as i was uh, was would have been easily understood by anyone who was in my circumstance. However, sure. the the thing that I couldn't grasp at the time that I have regretted ever since is I didn't recognize that acting that impulsively, I would regret for decades later. Well, but you you have uh, you know that you followed a pattern that many of us follow to our destruction. Yeah. Um, a person who advises me said what people often do is they suffer and then they punish themselves. What they mean and what they meant was, and I thought it was brilliant, uh, you, you went along in that job. You obviously were enduring some difficult circumstances and some very unjust circumstances that all of us would have understood. But then at the end, rather than taking your time, making a smooth transition that would benefit you, maybe moving up in life, you made an impulsive decision and you punished yourself. Well, now I don't know the details, but maybe you're out of a job and now you're not making money and maybe you've got a bad reputation because you wrote a, you know, burn them to the ground kind of resignation note or whatever. And so you're the one who ends up suffering, not them. Now, our point's not to make people suffer, but our point is to make transitions out of difficulty in a way that is an upgrade and is an escape from difficulty rather than admiring ourselves in greater difficulty. Mm-hmm. So right. 
that that Guinness principle really has mm-hmm. helped me escape it, and I know that you see. Now I've done the same thing, you know, re- sign your resignation with a flare and throw it at them, you know, kind of thing. It feels right. good for about ten minutes. But the next morning, you're going to get up, and you're not going to like the world that you wake up in, as you well know. Right. Okay, so, Stephen, in the world that we live in now for the last 10 or 15 years, the, uh, you know, take a click and move forward world, do you find that leaders are influenced by that as well, that we are not settled, that we are more impulsive than we've been in the past, whether it's a college student or someone in their 50s or 60s? Yes, our whole lives are more instantaneous, and so that tends to create an unspoken pressure on us to make decisions more quickly. And, and, and again, I'm not just hammering on Donald Trump, but, but, but he's a classic example. Politicians, really, statesmen, should make decisions slowly, uh, ponderously, and then act quickly. Uh, he does the opposite. We were talking about the Kurds in the last segment. He made that decision, we now know, overnight. Uh, he made the decision about hosting the G7 at the Doral, one of his properties, overnight. He's had to walk both of them back to some extent. And that, of course, for a politician causes you to lose face. So my point is not to pick on Donald Trump. My point is to say that he's typical of our age. He's eager to get to Twitter. He's eager to make an announcement. He's eager to uh, release the information about a decision. But if he hasn't pondered, if he hasn't taken in advisors, if he hasn't uh, made sure he's not leaning to his lesser nature, etc., he'll regret the decision. Mm-hmm. And that's expensive in our age, especially when every decision is so scrutinized. Right. Now, Stephen, you just said something there, that, that the, the president talking, not talking to his advisors. I think this is true for a lot of people, men or women of any age, that most of us are so insular that we choose not to engage in conversation about decisions with those who are intimate around us, right? Our small circle of people that we trust and we know that we tend to ignore that we're mostly lone rangers but the fact of the matter is and of course you know this as the leader that you are that more voices more insight more thought helps to form a more powerful decision well i've always liked the ancient words that say in the multitude of counselors there is safety and so i like getting advice i i i I reject some of it i find some of it to be foolish obviously but I like hanging around people who know more than I do. I like getting their advice. I like getting their opinions. And I have been saved from disastrous decisions because I, I, I lean to advisors. I lean to input. I, I take counsel from people. And I think that the, you're, you're, you're exactly correct. In fact, many times in movies and novels and some of our national lore, we tend to think in terms of the lone ranger. We think in terms of the guy out there on his own in business or on the frontier. He's making decisions on his own. But the fact is, the best decisions, the best, the best development comes from communities, where you have a lot of people, you have a lot of wisdom, and the multitude of counselors, you have safety. So I, I try to urge the young, I know you're eager, I know you want to go out and prove yourself, um, but you don't want to spend the first 20 years of your life digging out of bad marriages, bad business, bad debt, etc. Get advice, listen to the wise head, listen to the gray hairs, and uh, you'll live a happier life. We need to step away. Stephen, can you stay with us for a few more? I sure can. Terrific. Best-selling author Stephen Mansfield with us. Up next, why leaders should read fiction. When you hear the word leader, who comes to mind? Someone who's jealous, weak, ordinary? Of course, that's not leadership material. Or is it? 
The 12 apostles of Jesus had more flaws than people realize. Find out how Christ helped them grow spiritually and how he can do the same for you. Join John MacArthur in The Master's Men on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. The Forever Mark Diamond Tribute Collection. For your courage, passion, determination, for your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are, the Forevermark Tribute Collection. A diamond for each of your qualities. Forevermark. Beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forevermark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Visit trinityjewelers.com. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters. Always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville. For the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. Get away without going far. Lose yourself without being lost. At Antiochian Village near historic Ligonier, 300 acres of pristine woodlands await to refresh and inspire you. With 100 hotel-style lodging rooms, 20 meeting rooms, amazing food, and award-winning desserts, it's 360 degrees of mountain views bathed in the warmth of Christian hospitality. Book your next church or youth retreat now at antiochianvillage.org. When you were a little kid and you thought about what you wanted to be, teaching was at the top of your list. But things changed. And as you got older, teaching didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you're thinking you'll be something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Now you want to be a doctor. You don't think teachers save lives? 25 at a time. An actress? Try playing a different role every time the bell rings. How about a scientist? Ever heard of physics? chemistry who do you think teaches that teachers today are breaking down obstacles finding innovative ways to instill old lessons and taking learning far beyond the four walls of the classroom it's time to recognize that great things are happening in teaching and put it back on your list don't try to convince yourself otherwise you had it right the first time find out how you can make more at teach.org make more teach Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. There are lots of changes happening in healthcare today, and it's confusing. Fortunately, though, I know someone who's been on the forefront of health insurance for years. It's Todd Marley at Marley Financial. Todd and his team of professionals are licensed with virtually every healthcare provider in the country. They help to determine which plan is right for you, help you to choose the right one, and then do so prudently. Don't need maternity coverage? Call Marley Financial. Have pre-existing conditions? Call Marley Financial. Do you want just catastrophic or just accident? You know the answer. And because they know how to design the plans, most of their clients save 30 to 60 percent, which can add up to several thousands of dollars per year. So call Todd, Marley Financial, 724-884-1496 or on the web, marleyfg.com. Stephen Mansfield is with us. You can find Stephen on the web, stephenmansfield.tv. Kathy, a little earlier in the day, we were in my office, and you looked over my shoulder at my big stack of books, and you were like, hey, 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 where did you get that book from? <laughs> and you know you know how it is. Um, you're in this business. People send you books willy-nilly. It was a book that I had zero interest in, 
but you knew the author. Right. It was the latest book by Nelson DeMille. And um, I, I've read Nelson DeMille for years, and I thought, well, what, what is that book, and what are we doing with it? You know, we get uh, probably 100 books a month here, and there are, you know, 99.9 of them are nonfiction. I'm telling you, when I see a book of fiction, I am all about it because fiction is where my heart is when it comes to reading. So I was so thrilled, Stephen, when I saw that you had a piece on your website about how you actually recommend that leaders read fiction. Talk about why. Well, I absolutely do. And the reason is, as you say, most leaders read nonfiction. They read technical stuff, um, but they're not developing their brains and their souls in the full way they could. We're learning that reading fiction develops emotional intelligence, which is an important part of leadership. You learn to read people. You learn about emotions. Think about how fiction takes you inside the emotions of the protagonist or the emotions of a, of a victim or what have you. Uh, the thinking of them, the, the descriptions of personality, the way a, a skilled author wraps around developing an entire character. By pondering that, a leader is better able to read people, understand people, relate to people, have sympathy and compassion. The other thing is I'm, I'm constantly urging leaders to develop their hearts, develop their souls, read poetry, mm-hmm. uh, focus on beauty, go to a museum once in a while. And so fiction is a way they can kind of carry that in their briefcase. When you read fiction and you read beautiful descriptions of a, oh, anything, a battle, a woman, uh, a, a scene, uh, a landscape, uh, you're keeping poetry alive in your soul. You're mm-hmm. keeping beauty alive in your soul. And that's not just as a matter of rhetoric, but as a matter of actually thinking and feeling and planning an important part of what it means to be a leader. I see. So then, Stephen, when you intersect with leaders, is it generally that these men, like, you know, we, we watch this, um, and I wonder if you've seen it, the Netflix documentary on Bill Gates, which is yes. just fabulous. I mean, there's Bill Gates in that canvas the tote bag walking around with 15 or 16 books, and he's reading this full scope. But as I hear you talk, I, I wonder about the majority of people that are leaders, and they are one note. They're reading leadership books or books on economics or science or whatnot, and they choose not to because they don't see the value of poetry or fiction. Well, and, and they're making a huge mistake. Um, and that's why, by the way, all of uh, usually a certain segment of leaders or personalities tend to sound the same. Uh, mm, I help chaplain one of the NFL teams, and so I'm always teasing them about, you guys sound exactly the same in the locker room. We're going to give 100%. We're going to make plays with our legs. You know, that kind of stuff. I just tease them a little bit and say, would you guys find something else to say, for heaven's sake? <laughs> well, well, leaders and business leaders can be the same way. Um, they all sound like technocrats. But, you know, Steve Jobs read poetry, he read literature, he read religion, and he insisted that his devices be beautiful. And that's, you know, a large part of the reason that Apple has just dominated the market. Um, So uh, what I'm saying is that I don't want people just to read fiction. Obviously, we need to read other things. And I'm a historian, so I want people to read great history and literature and what have you. But but fiction really does round out the mind, the soul, the emotions of a of a leader, and it, and, it, and it emphasizes a side that their natural daily life normally doesn't emphasize, right. makes right. them better fathers, and, makes them better mothers, etc. And there's something about a story which which changes us in a way that a didactic doesn't, and there's no way it can. I don't, and I don't. I think that this is another. Um, I think we're falling down when it comes to biblical understanding too, or even when it comes to evangelism. We don't look at the Bible as a story. You know, it's you're, it's a gigantic exactly right. story. If we don't look at it that way, if we're just willing to like pick out a certain you know denominational perspective or give an analysis of this, that, and the other, we're like it's missing the point. 
Well, that's exactly right. And I think that anybody who's going to dive into the Bible needs to understand that it's designed as a story. And uh, if we're going to understand certain episodes, we've got to we've got to do that 3D thing that novelists do. You know, if we're talking about Mark or Paul or Timothy or whomever, uh, David, who, what, what's going on with them? Where are they right now? What what's, what are the circumstances? What's the landscape? What are their emotions? What happened this morning over breakfast? Uh, this is stuff that not novels and fiction make you ask. And by the way, we're also learning that the best way to communicate information is in stories. So business leaders and leaders of every kind ought to be telling stories. That was the greatness of Ronald Reagan. He would tell a story, and we would get more truth through that story than we ever would if he quoted the Bill of Rights or the Constitution or what have you. So uh, there's a tremendous uh, role of fiction in educating us about story. You're absolutely right, and it should change and affect every area of our lives. Right. Now, what about this now? I've got a brother-in-law who is a reader, and he reads virtually. He's always got a book in his hands. But when I see him, he generally is reading biographies. And I said to him once in a while, hey, uh, John, why aren't you reading some fiction? And he says to me, you know what, why would I read fiction? The world is interesting enough. Well, the, tr- the fact is, I mean, I'm not going to pick a fight with your brother-in-law remotely here. <laughs> that would be awful. Uh, the, <laughs> probably bigger than I am anyway, but the, but the fact is that fiction actually can teach you more about the real world sometimes than nonfiction. I just finished a Daniel Silva novel mm-hmm. called The New Girl. Uh, he writes he writes spy fiction and he, it's a, it's about a, an Israeli uh, intelligence uh, agent, um, a very good series about twenty books thus far, and really he was really writing about Saudi Arabia today. Well, I kind of ex- I'm kind of lean towards a certain amount of expertise in Middle East affairs, but I learned a great deal, mm. enjoyed a ripping good yarn had, again, that beauty factor, that, um, that story factor, that emotional intelligence factor enhanced, uh, and came away with an education in a way I probably wouldn't had I been reading a book by an ed- expert in you know, Saudi Arabian history. So th- there, there's definitely a benefit there that the nonfiction lovers need to read. Stephen Mansfield's with us, New York Times bestselling author, The Character and Greatness of Winston Churchill, Choosing Donald Trump, um, among so many others. Uh, Stephen, I want to give you a minute to talk about your website and what it is that you're doing. So if people are interested, they can contact you further. Well, they can check out what I'm doing at stephenmansfield.tv. But I also want to make sure to say to the men listening that uh, I do a great deal with men. I'm real concerned about the downward spiral of, of good, noble, righteous manhood these days. And so greatman.tv is the website for men. We've got a great man podcast, do all kinds of things for men, have events for men. So not just trying to self-promote. I want to make sure that the men are connecting with me on that level. But everybody else who wants to check us out, Mansfield Rights is the social media name for Twitter and Facebook, and then Stephen Mansfield. TV. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to say those things. Very nice. Well, Stephen, you're an excellent guest. Fascinating as well. Uh, always appreciate your time here with us. Thanks again. Always great to be with you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stephen Mansfield, stephenmansfield.tv. His book, Choosing Donald Trump, it is the single best work on the current president. We have reached the age where things just cost more. Cars, Mm -hmm. phones, Mm -hmm. life insurance. Your blood pressure is up. (laughs) Your weight is up. (laughs) You're one to talk. I have type 2 diabetes, so I'm getting dinged just like you. Thank goodness for Big Lou. Big Lou! 
Big Lou can get term life insurance rates for a 50-year-old male with type 2 diabetes or high blood pressure, or maybe he's on anxiety meds. Mm -hmm. For just around $200 a month for a million dollars of coverage. Oh, you got to say that again. Glenn. Okay, I'll say it. Big Lou and term provider could get a 50-year-old man, a little dinged up, a million dollars in life insurance for around $200 a month. Call Big Lou. Big Lou. He's like you. 800-555-2085. That's 800-555-2085. Don't put it off. If you're overweight, diabetic, have high blood pressure, you gotta call Big Lou. Gotta. 800-555-2085. Write it down. 800-555-2085. You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. For example, MyPillow is bringing back their popular BOGO offer for all MyPillows. That's right. Buy one MyPillow, get another absolutely free. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the buy one, get one free for all MyPillows. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties. PittsburghChristianSchools.net No, wait, wait, wait. No, wait a minute. We're a couple of dim bulbs. Yeah, okay. So this happens here and there, is that we have a conversation about something, and we're maybe using the wrong terminology. Well, we said a light bulb. We were talking about light bulbs. It was Thomas Edison. Let there be light. Listen, it was the Thomas Edison this day in history of when he applied for the patent. We were talking about it. Somehow we got off on a tangent tangent about how much I dislike LED bulbs. We miss the old bulbs. Right. However, I do believe, according to Ben Wetmore, who sent us a blistering email. No, no, it was a good. It was a good. But it was blistering. That I said halogen instead of LED. So I want to read Ben's. He says, uh, hey, John and Kathy, I think your ride home show is great. You both do a fabulous job. Thank you, Ben. However. Uh Uh-oh, the dreaded however. Halogen bulbs are 
a type of incandescent light bulb. Then he gives me like an official definition with a photograph and everything. He says, what you're talking about are LED light bulbs. LED stands for light emitting diode. Okay, now here's the thing. I know that. Mm. I knew that. Did you? I did. Why? Well, yeah, I, I meant LED things, but I was saying halogen. Why didn't you bring that up yesterday? Well, because I was wrong. Because I followed you in that garden path. How oh, dare. All, of a, all of a sudden it's my fault. I just, you know, I was, like, I, I was nodding my head going, yeah. I was saying how much I dislike the color of LED bulbs, how they're bluish. You feel like you're about to have an operation. I feel like I'm like, you know, in a, in law and order. Right, all of a sudden it's oh, like what's going on. Yeah, I confess, even though I don't know what I did wrong. Exactly. And he was saying that if I get a 2400K uh, bulb, color temperature-wise. Ben said that. And I find one that's dimmable. And for a 60-watt equivalent amount of light, I would use maybe six watts of actual power. Right. I have dimmable LEDs in my dining room. Right. And how do you feel about them? Uh, you still don't like them very not much. Not particularly. I wonder if you have the 2400K. I don't know. It's a really bright white light. And, so if you were listening yesterday and you said, wow, why do they, they they think they're talking about LEDs, but they're saying the word halogen? You're right. So thanks, Ben Wetmore, for setting us straight with right. all your diagrams and photographs and all that stuff you I sent like us. it. I mean, people are listening, so it's good to be thank set you, straight. Thank you, Ben. Ben was right. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. We'll take a break. Come back. Uh, five o'clock hour. Uh, what does it mean to be welcoming? Navigating LGBT questions in your church. It's 5 o'clock hour of the ride home here on Word FM. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. EU lawmakers have voted for a Brexit plan backing by 329 to 299, a bill to implement an agreement British Prime Minister Boris Johnson struck with the EU last week. In a certain way, it is an historic moment because Boris Johnson has got further than Theresa May ever did. I mean, she couldn't even get uh, approval of a so-called meaningful vote to uh, for MPs to back, in principle, the idea of the deal that she had reached with the European Union. Mr Johnson has now gone very much a stage further, and I think he'll be rather heartened by the result. The second vote went 322 to 308 against the government. European Council President Donald Tusk says he'll recommend that the EU grant Britain's request for a Brexit delay. Down day on Wall Street as the Dow dropped 339 points, the Nasdaq lower by 58. This is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. We live in a time of self-made truth. We're taught from so early on, it's, it's your truth, it's my truth, it's my reality. But notice, my truth, that's the language of separation. That puts barriers between me and you. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And the Bible tells us that it's through Jesus that we reconnect to God and therefore to all of created reality. But maybe you and the Bible aren't exactly on speaking terms right now. Well, my book, God Breathed, is a humble attempt to get that dialogue going again. We'll explore the barriers between us and the Bible, philosophical, historical, cultural. We'll own up to those honestly. We'll think together about how to get through those barriers so that you can be free to connect through God's word to God, to others, to the natural world, and to yourself. Maybe for the very first time. God Breathed by Rod Etheridge. Available at Crown and Covenant Publications at crownandcovenant.com. 
Want to build a meaningful career by guiding Christians to be wise with money, live generously, and change lives? As a thriving financial representative, you can blend your values with your entrepreneurial spirit in a rewarding sales career. You'll get ongoing training and coaching and a benefits package that shows Thriven is committed to your success. Financial representative positions are available in the Pittsburgh area. For information, contact Kelly Perry at 724-836-7772. Regenerate me. Regenerate me. Please regenerate me. Why suffer with joint pain? There's a new treatment that offers more potential than stem cell therapy. At Regenerate Me Pittsburgh, now in Bethel Park, certified medical professionals offer advanced biological therapies, also known as ABT. A full recovery without surgery or drugs is possible. Get a complete diagnostic review plus your first treatment for just $100 for a limited time. See if you qualify. Call 412-851-3811. 412-851-3811. Do you enjoy helping others? Consider a career at Accessibilities Home and Community Services. As a leading provider of in-home care for people with disabilities since 1954, Accessibilities is dedicated to quality care. Flexible schedules, 100% employer-paid health premiums, competitive dental and vision plans, and paid time off are just a few reasons to consider Accessibilities. Visit Accessibilities.org or call 724-832-8272 today. Accessibilities is an equal opportunity employer. What gives one company the edge over another? Maybe it's not one thing. Maybe it's taking care of lots of things that help a business run smoothly. In other words, Cintas. Cintas has products that help your people stay safe and apparel programs that convey the right image. They service fire protection equipment, deliver and stock restroom supplies, and make sure facilities are clean and ready. Because when all those things work together, you're in business. Oh, I'm ready! Get Cintas and get ready for the workday. Tonight, chillier air moves in. Skies will turn out partly cloudy and will drop to 43. Then tomorrow, you'll see partly to mostly sunny skies. We'll have a cool breeze with a high 58. Variable cloudiness tomorrow night with a low of 44. Then Thursday, you'll see a mix of clouds and sunshine. It'll be a little milder with a nice afternoon. The high will be 66. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. We had a heck of a celebration at the uh, Hilton Garden in South Point. We sure did. The 14th annual Word FM Pastor Appreciation Luncheon. It was really fun, wasn't it? <laughs> we had a, such a good time. There were so many wonderful people there. Heck yeah. Brian Chapel came. He was our keynote speaker. Did he bring it? Man. He was... Absolutely awesome. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to post this yeah. on wordfm.com at some point in the very near future. But listen, uh, you got to hear this. Yeah. It this. was just a really wonderful message. Ooh, Not just me. for pastors, but for everybody there. Everybody. And the music? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Adam? Adam Brock. Nikki? From Houston, PA. Nikki Porter from East Liberty. Man. Lauren Kirkland from East Liberty. Those three. Woo. I, I'm out of words. I loved it. They were 10... Out of a possible 10. Yep. That's what I told them when they finished. I said, listen, out of a possible 10, you have scored 10. Mm-hmm. They, it was just, it was a wonderful All morning. All the way around, yeah. Really, really loved it. Just loved it. So congratulations to uh, to Brian and Nikki and Adam and, I mean, just really fabulous. Yeah, it was a really, really great really day. So thank you for all. And so many people stopped by and said hi. Heck and yeah. 
wow, we didn't know you looked like that. And, you know. What's going on? What's going on with Sorry you Sorry to disappoint people. Yeah. We're doing about, the best we can. What about your light bulbs? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, hey, uh, tonight we're looking forward to, uh, this is a good, this is a, so this is a, like a little perfection thing. The weather now is chilly. The furnace is on. Yeah. You know, you're sort of ensconced. You're getting ready for the, you know, the long winter ahead. Mm-hmm. But tonight is the first night of the World Series. Now, other than the Pirates, of course, never having been in it forever and ever and ever. Well, not, I mean, 1979 was a long time ago. 40 years. That's a long time. So we got the Houston Astros and the Washington Nationals, Mm -hmm. and it's game one. It's game one with two of the greatest pitchers Mm -hmm. you will see. So if you're a baseball fan. I mean, you have to. So I'm going Garrett Cole and the Astros. Are you, though? I'm going Nationals. Because you're what, in like your National League thing? Well, it is true, the National League thing. I mean, I and know, I'm going so. for the underdog because the, the Nationals have not won a World Series. Ever? Um, I think, it, you know, well, see, the Nationals are not, you know, they used to be the Washington Senators. Right. And then the Senators, Senators kind of came and went, came and went, came and went. And then the Senators turned into the Montreal Expos. Then, you know, the Expos left Montreal and they became something else. And then finally the Nationals showed up. So, yeah, in the long history of baseball in Washington, They have a pretty short life. Yes. And I don't think that they've ever won a World Series. Now, look, believe me, I'm not, you know, the nation's capital doesn't need, you know, something to cheer about here. But, you know, Actually, they maybe do. they do. Yeah, right. But, yeah, for a team that, you know, sort of suffers, this is good. So I'm going for the National League. Okay, so you're with Max Scherzer. I am. Uh, Steven uh, Strasburg. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm solidly behind Garrett Cole because he's a complete and total beast. He's living his best life now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching it. Okay. So, World Series tonight and Pens tonight. Right. Which makes me think of this Zamboni thing you told me about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you not love the Zamboni? I love I love it. Yeah. So, we were looking at uh, you know, things. Do you ever, when you're at the game, yeah. do you think, now, I feel like I could do that. Every person I thinks the same thing. I feel extremely competent. Like, right? they could just invite me in, and I'd be like, good, I'm ready to go. Try that Zamboni. The Zamboni was invented way back uh, in the 50s. 1954 in Boston, New Year's Day. The Boston Bruins were scheduled to play a day game at the Boston Gardens. The maintenance crew was dreading clearing the ice, because in a few hours, there were going to be the ice capades. Oh, right. So what so, do you do when you have a hockey game on the ice capades? Can you imagine the ice, the condition of the ice after a hockey game? How brutal that must have been? So in the old days, they were using shovels. They had some rudimentary sort of things that they used to they had scrape. some guy with a, with a squirt bottle? Yeah. And some guy with a little broom? Well, um, a guy uh, who was a maintenance guy, uh, Bob Skorak, uh, he was working for the ice capades that day, and he had a new piece of equipment that smoothed the ice for the figure skaters. And it was the fabled Zamboni Model E21. It was the first time ever that the Zamboni was used by an NHL team. So the NHL has the ice capades to thank for their smooth ice. They're never going to want to admit that. No. I mean, did you ever go to the escapades? Yes, when I was a kid. Us too. I thought I was seeing all the princesses in the world. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, it's the Hall family, all nine of us going to, I mean, my dad would take out a second mortgage, <laughs> but that was like a sort of a yearly trek we did. I don't know that why. That was a really big thing for a while. Peggy Fleming. Yeah. After the Olympics. Dorothy Hamill. Right. So anyway, uh, the Zamboni has really progressed. It was originally built on a Jeep chassis. 
you know, like the World War II surplus parts. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Not and, what I expected. Yeah. And um, so they started, you know, moving the Zamboni around. Once the ice capades were like, check this out. Then the Boston Bruins bought the first Zamboni. And then other guys, you know, the general managers, higher up executives in the National Hockey League were like, really? We can have something that, you know, is revolutionary in ice preparation. So it started to make the rounds. Then they started to build a factory in Ontario, and now it's the the only machine, really. Right? There's I mean, no other machine. No. So is the Zamboni? I wonder if there have been like you know competitors, or has it just been Zamboni? Zamboni. That's a good question. Right. I mean, once you see something that's working out that well, you think, well, I don't think Why I'm going to go in around. And yeah. I'm pretty, that. I'm pretty sure that at some point the National Hockey League did did like a Zamboni race or something like that. Really. A while ago. But they had like two Zambonis and see who yeah. could what, yeah. who could go fastest or who could clear the ice best. Who could go fastest. Mm-hmm. Really? If you go on Zamboni.com, there's a lot of fun facts. Like on average, a Zamboni machine travels close to 2,000 miles each year in the course of resurfacing. No yeah. kidding. Okay, so the Zamboni company is a family business. The, uh, the great-grandson of the original Mr. Zamboni, which is, that's his name. That's their family name? Yeah, yeah. Zamboni. So that's why it's called a Zamboni. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. I so, love that. Isn't that great? What about if it was called like the Emmons? People would be like, what? That's a stupid name. <laughs> yeah. Sales are global uh, worldwide with a variety of Zamboni machines and equipment specifically made for different markets. And while the Zamboni company doesn't release production numbers, it does acknowledge its preeminence in the marketplace. Of the 500 to 600 ice cleaning machines made by all manufacturers today, we produce a majority of them. And they are all built by hand. Each one is custom built. Okay, so they so there's like a Pepsi and Coke thing, right? Mm-hmm. How would you not? If, oh my gosh! If you're gonna have a, a right terrific. on the is ice, is there anything in there about how I can contact the family and like? Well, you could probably go like, to the factory. Why would you want to contact the family? Because I want to be able to drive one. Oh no, no! I wonder if there's like a Zamboni school. Right, you think but there that, would be? But what I'm telling you is, I don't feel like I need to go to Zamboni school. I feel a sense oh, no, of no. competence, I, like right out of the gate. Yeah, you ever see, see something and you think, "Boy, I could do that." The Zamboni thing, I feel, like, yeah, I want to do that. I've driven with you. I do not want to be on the ice with <laughs> Listen you. To what he's Listen, saying. I've driven with you. I love you, but right. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be in the first few rows. I'll tell you that. Kat, you should uh, call the Pittsburgh Penguins. You can ride the Zamboni. What? Yes, what do you mean you can ride the Zamboni? I'd be fine. Have like an extra chair on the side. Yeah, and sit. All right. While they clean the, clean the uh, really? clean, ter- resurface the ice. Do yeah. you pay for that? Is it like, or is it just a special treat for no, you know? Yeah, select it's like people? a special treat. Normally, they have like a, uh, a veterans. Oh, the oh! Veteran. I'm not going to displace a veteran, Mike. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, like there's Kathy yeah, Evans from the ride home. <laughs> All right, forget right? it. You know, somebody like in Iraqi Freedom, she was in and then Kuwait. there's Kath. <laughs> right? I can't. Hey, there's she, Kath. Thank she, you for your service, Kath. <laughs> Get out of here. Sorry, I've done nothing. Forget yeah, exactly. me. Didn't you do a show in Kuwait one time? No, no, no. no. I've never sure did that didn't. With Thanks. Bob Hope. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, though, Mike. Yeah. Right. Did, didn't you do a <laughs> show <laughs> in Kuwait in the Zamboni? Yeah, when I was five. Maybe you get a Zamboni T-shirt. That might be as close as you come. I think that's a little insulting. What do you mean? After I said I wanted to drive it, and now you said yeah, I can wear a shirt. You get a you know a little I mean, piece God. of the Zamboni. How the mighty have fallen. All right. Uh, uh, hey, stick around, won't you, please? This is a very contentious, very complex issue. What does it mean to be welcoming? Navigating LGBT questions in your church. Pastor Travis Collins is next. 101.5 WORD. 
Ahead on Insight for Living, a study on the attributes of our triune God. Jesus came and he moved into the neighborhood. Be listening when Chuck Swindoll describes the grace and love of our Lord. He didn't remain aloof. He didn't live in a castle. He didn't say to people, stay away, I'm holy. He became one of us. Hear the Bible teaching of Chuck Swindoll, weekdays on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And And we're we're the the owners of South Coast Tax. We started our company 10 years ago in an effort to help our fellow Christians experiencing tax issues resolve their matters by taking a simple three-step approach. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys that specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We're also a small firm who will treat you like family, not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation. And we'll take the time to explain all of the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Where have you been? If you snore, the first time you use mute can be quite an experience. (laughs) I can breathe. I can breathe. Snoring can happen when your nose is blocked, forcing you to breathe through your mouth. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device designed to increase airflow through the nose by gently opening the airways. Thanks to Mute, you get all the air you need through your nose and not your mouth, which means less snoring and more chance of sleep. Oh, that's the best night I've had in years. In trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. To find your local store or for more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. What you want is awesome new flooring at a great price. What you don't want is to spend hours at a showroom looking for it. With at-home flooring, you won't have to. At-home flooring is where awesome happens. And their family's been bringing awesome straight into Pittsburgh homes with top-quality hardwood, tile, carpet, and vinyl for over 50 years with their free shop-at-home experience along with great selection and professional installation. So forget the showroom and schedule a little bit of awesome instead. Visit athomeflooringpgh.com. I get nervous every time we talk about this issue, and we talk about it a lot, simply because I want to say the thing that's right to say. I want to say the thing that's kind to say, and I'm always afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm either going to say the thing that's wrong or the thing that's unkind. It's a very complex, extremely contentious, fraught with all sorts of landmines. And and I get what you're you know what you're doing right yeah because you, it's not and I tend to distance myself from people who talk about this issue in a cavalier way oh you know we know what it is I've got all the answers and I just I don't think it's that cut and dried right Travis Collins is with us Pastor Collins is the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Huntsville Alabama his new work is called What Does It Mean to Be Welcoming navigating LGBT questions in your church. Pastor, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. My honor. We're so happy to have you, Travis. Um, And you're probably not surprised to hear me say how 
reluctant I am to wade into this issue. And as you can imagine, having this radio program, we've talked about this over and over for the last, what, 10 years. Um, I still can't shake this feeling of always being afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, I was, gosh, I was reluctant to weigh in too. And if it weren't such an important matter, I, um, I wouldn't have weighed in. And I did, I did hear you as you were kind of leading into this, talking about how people speak in a rather cavalier fashion, frankly, from both sides of the argument, um, on, you know, one side saying, now, the Bible says we're just supposed to love everybody, and the other one saying, oh, the Bible's clear, this is wrong, and as if it um, is is not complex. I, I frankly think it is, and was worth uh, the best work I could do to try to shed some light, not heat, on the topic. Right. Now, uh, Travis, a lot of people would say, well, why, why is the church even talking about this? Because that ship has already sailed. I mean, LGBTQ, that is mainstream America. Um, corporate America is behind this. Everyone's nodded their head. Major media is behind uh, it. Right. We're doing drag queen story yeah. hours. Art's and, it. you know, it's just a done deal. So uh, if, if the right. church is still wrestling with this, well, you know, you're stuck back in the 20th century because this is the way that life is going to be. And, um, you know, uh, as a believer, especially as a, a Christian, you're either going to get with a program or you're going to be somewhere, as they say, in the dustbin of history. Yeah, and I think there are two reasons to have this conversation. Let, let me state them and then try to unpack them briefly. So one is a ch- most churches are going to have this conversation uh, either reactively or proactively. And second, that ship may not have sailed um, maybe as far as we think. So on the first one, uh, uh because I wrote this, I get I, I get to hear stories, and uh, some stories I know pretty uh, uh, up close of churches that are having to react to an event. So, you know, someone is set forth to be an elder or a deacon in the church, and they're in a same-sex relationship. Or a young adult comes out, uh, gives his or her testimony in church, and chooses that opportunity to, to come out to the congregation. And now, the congregation is thrust into an emotional conversation that has names attached to it. So my my contention is that if, some, if, if your listeners are old enough to remember the old um, commercial, you can pay me now or pay me later. I I think you can have this conversation uh, either you know objectively, somewhat free of emotion, not completely free of emotion, or you can wait until it, it arises. Now some churches on either end of the spectrum either on the progressive or the conservative end, are so homogeneous that they're not going to have to have this conversation. But churches like the ones that I have served, which have people from across the spectrum, and relatively speaking, I think are going to have to have this conversation. And second, has that ship sailed? You know, I I think there were probably those who a few decades ago thought the abortion ship had sailed, when in fact uh, there is still a large percentage of the population that identifies as pro-life. And so even though it seems rather overwhelming now, we might look back, or at least our kids might look back a few decades from now and say, you know, that issue is is not resolved, and it might be because of um, the impact of 
of lifestyles on people. So maybe maybe this conversation is not a done deal. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I'll take that. All right. I appreciate that. Talk about the things that you think are important to assess in ourselves before we enter into a conversation. So I don't mean just a conversation you have with maybe somebody across from you, uh, you know, having a cup of coffee, though that's probably actually a very good thing to think of as well. But I'm thinking in particular, I guess, about larger conversations about how a church handles a particular issue or the church is going to come up with a particular policy related to marriages or staying or leaving a denomination or whatever. What are the questions we should be asking ourselves before we enter into that? Uh, You mean ourselves as a congregation? No, no, I mean individually, about, you know, our background or any bias we might have or just, I don't know, how how we approach the issue. Yeah, Yeah, good. So uh, the question of bias obviously arises because I think most of us, well, we all see through a glass darkly and we see things through our own lenses. Not, Not one of us is completely objective. So I do think we have to ask, have I had a if I have a sibling who is gay, for example, that colors my view, but does that make me more objective or less objective? And I think I could argue either side of that. If I've had a bad experience with someone who is gay, does that color my um, my view of this? What about my own practices of por- you know, pornography, for example? What What am I doing that makes me hypocritical? I do think a lot of... Um, introspection um, has to precede this this conversation. And I also heard you, there's something you said in the lead into this that made me think that, you know, actually having conversations with people who are gay is very helpful. It has been helpful for me. Uh, it has not shaped my view of Scripture, but it has helped me understand words, as you said, that are landmines, and to understand how people view the church. I, I just think that uh, a lot of private introspection is really helpful here. Right. So, Pastor, sin is sin, right? And um, many many Christians, uh, especially conservative evangelical Christians, would go, well, homosexuality is a sin. Uh, we can point to passages in the Bible, despite what liberal, conservative, or liberal Christians would say about homosexuality. So if homosexuality is a sin, but it's being celebrated in the wider culture, then we have a duty as believers to call out sin. But I think everyone says this as well. Well, choose your sin, which you brought up, right? Um, people perusing uh, pornography, adultery, um, whatever. I mean, there's you know a million and one sins, which all of us believers are guilty of as well. So uh, people would say in the gay community, well, you know, you're focusing on our particular sin. What about your sin? Aren't you being hypocritical to point out our sin when you yourself are washing your own? Well, and therein lies for me the key my key frustration with uh, the gay community. So as you said, in, in a, a couple of years ago or four or five years ago, people were saying, hey, uh, I know it's a sin, but so is, so is greed, so is such and such. But now we're being asked to, to say that it's not sin. And that's my – I think it, when we were saying, yes, a same-sex – same-sex intimacy is sin, but so is greed. That was a good conversation. But now the conversation has moved to where I'm being asked to say, no, that's not sin. It's, it's orientation. It's how I'm created. And so that my probably biggest frustration with my gay friends is that I'm being asked to um, redefine that, uh, that, that engagement or behavior as something other than 
sin. And so that's that's really frustrating. But I also want to be clear that for me, it's not homosexuality as an orientation that is a sin, but rather but rather the the act uh, the, of, of sexual intimacy between people of the same gender. So then there are there are men or women right, who are right. Who are, so it's the same thing. I mean, it's this. So that if you're preaching to a room full of people, there are probably more people in. I'm guessing more people in your congregation or my congregation or whatever who are engaged in premarital or extramarital. Um, sex between men and women as opposed to same-sex relationships. Yeah. So, oh, like John said, sin is sin. Yeah, but let's let's call both of those sin. Let's sure. say right, that, right. Uh, you know, let's say that sexual intimacy outside of the covenant of marriage of a man and woman is sin, and let's not, you know, let's not call one worse than the other, but let's also not back off that word. Right. And, and then there are those who are who are gay, identify as gay or lesbian or bisexual, who choose to follow Jesus and also choose to live a celibate lifestyle. And that's all that's a whole oh, yeah. other conversation as well, isn't it? And those stories are beautiful. And and there are a number of those courageous, wonderful people who who do that. And I think they probably are getting lambasted and demonized by many in the gay community. But God bless them for their courage and, and their willingness not to be defined by sexuality. I think those those stories are wonderful. But I, I will tell you, this reminds me that one of the things that I think a lot of us have, have really struggled with is the matter of divorce. And that's, frankly, most of the pushback that I've gotten has been over the matter of divorce. And people say, hey, you know, the church has kind of gotten soft on divorce because there's so many divorced persons in the church. And, and you know, I think, um, I think we, I, I don't want to be ever guilty of minimizing the uh, you know the ugliness of of divorce, and so that's that's a, that's the topic. Maybe that's another topic. Mm-hmm. But you know, people do push back on that and say, "Hey, how come you're so soft on divorce? Is it because you have so many in the church who are, and so few who at least we know are gay?" Right. Okay, so Travis, what I'm what I'm inferring from what you're saying is that to navigate this well requires multiple things. It requires um, biblical knowledge. It requires mm-hmm. some knowledge of yourself. And it also just, I think, requires wisdom in general. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think knowledge of the Bible, uh, an objective, not a rewriting, but an objective uh, knowledge of the Bible, um, a, a candid assessment of my own weaknesses, and the willingness uh, to learn without without giving up my convictions. So I can, you know, I can learn without uh, laying everything out on the table at, uh, in terms of what I, I believe. And it does take wisdom and courage. My gosh, I think there are lots of pastors that just don't want to wade into this because it can be costly and because it can, boy, it can, people can really get hurt deeply without us, without us, without us intending it. And uh, I, I recognize when I suggest that a church have this conversation that I'm inviting them into a really uh, a position of a, a conversations that, that's fraught with danger. Right. I mean, because you can look at the, you know, the, the topic in theory, you know, homosexuality in the church. But then when, mm-hmm. you know, your brother or your sister or your best friend, thing. someone you love is gay, then there's a, just a totally different perspective right, which, on which it. Which tells you that you didn't understand the whole issue when you were so sure the first time. Mm, that, now, there you go. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And boy, it, it has uncovered in our church. It's, 
you know, people say, well, I, I never told you, but my grandson is gay or my granddaughter is gay or my sister is gay or I've struggled with same-sex attraction. It, it uncovers lots of things that we just heretofore have been content to ignore. Right. So uh, just not talk about it. I feel as though, you know, in, in many ways, we've we've sort of we've well, like we're talking about the loss of authority to speak about this, whether it's divorce or, you know, our own personal sexual sins or whatnot. But also, you know, the, the church has kind of backed itself into a corner because it feels as though the culture as a whole has been so positive in gay affirming lifestyles that to now, you know, speak up against homosexuality as a sin and especially from a Christian perspective, then we become hate filled bigots. And so how do you respond, you know, oh well then, you know, all the church you know, you're just a bigot. You're a, you're a hater. Um you are on the outside looking in. And so you really can't you can't respond to this accurately or assess it fairly because you've found yourself, uh, you know, back on your heels from the get-go. And that's that's right, and I think that's just part of the cost that we count before weighing into this, that my intentions will be misread and uh, misrepresented, misunderstood, and that, that just goes with the territory. But part of it is our fault for having been genuinely hateful toward people in years past when they were considered such a minority and such an aberration that, you know, some of our brothers and Christian brothers and sisters have really been hateful and, you know, the, the, all the jokes and even the, even the physical mistreatment that we're, we're reaping a little bit of what we may have sown. So we may have lost some of the, the, um, I don't know, the right, not right, but the, we've lost some credibility mm-hmm. because the, before we we actually have been hateful you got that right. I mean, I was uh, in the car the other day with my uh, my young son, and we were listening to uh, the Dire Straits. Um, this, you know, that song "I Want My MTV." I mean, that in that song, there is a gay slur mm-hmm. in that song, mm-hmm. and that song's what maybe twenty five years old or something like that. And my kid, who's nineteen, he was like, "Whoa, I can't believe that they, you know, they were even allowed to say that, let alone you know to celebrate it as part of popular culture." It, it is amazing to think, you know, where we've come and how fast we've come. That you know, uh, at one time, as you're saying, Pastor, you know, uh, a gay or homosexual lifestyle was on the deep fringes. Now it's as mainstream as mainstream as mama's uh, mom and apple pie. And, and I think that's the, the thing for a lot of people as a believer, you kind of go, wait a second, um, how did this happen so quickly? And for us to be on the outside and, you know, we've lost our, our, our sort of, you know, moral uh, biblical strength because we are as sinners as anyone else. And it's just this whole dangerous, complex swirl of a mix. And I think most people, unless it's, you know, you're confronted with it in your family or your friendship, you just don't know how to make sense of it all. Yeah, and and so it becomes easier just to not talk about it. And I think that, I just think that's a mistake. I think that one of the hottest, if not the hottest button issue of my life, and I turned 60 recently, is, is this. And for the church not to weigh in out of Fear that will be misinterpreted or that will uh, alienate someone, I think, is wrong. As long as we do it in a way that is compassionate, whether it's judged compassionate or not, a way that is compassionate and is balanced, I think I think we have to weigh in on something as as important as this. 
Pastor Travis Collins is with us. His new work is called, What Does It Mean to Be Welcoming Navigating LGBT Questions in Your Church? Okay, so Travis, before we let you go, you've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about this, writing about this. This has been, excuse me, central to your church. What is the wisdom here? When you think about this and you shepherd your church or even in your own personal intimate heart, what is it that we're you know we're doing wrong? How do we get on board? What what what's the right and proper response as we are moving in this direction? I think I think the proper response is to include this as in, in, a, in as part of a broader conversation about sexuality, which is of course a hard conversation for lots of churches to have. But when we we came up with a statement, and it took us five months that, because we are a fairly diverse church, uh, relatively speaking, fairly diverse. And uh, so we we talked about this for five months. And our statement on sexuality, which can be found on the website, uh, First Baptist Church Huntsville, um, the statement does not use the word gay or homosexual. It talks about sexuality and the, the, the proper celebration of sexuality being within the covenant relationship of a man and woman. And so we we at once say that, you know, we're as, um, you know, we want to be as clear about uh, infidelity as we are about homosexuality and about, um, you know, premarital sex. We, we, we don't want to just single out the gay person. We want to, we want to talk about sexual purity, which again, <laughs> which even that, you know, raises so many questions that if you're not called bigoted, you're called backwards. So, but I, my, I guess my point is, let's have a conversation about sexuality, not just about homosexuality. That's good. That's Travis Collins, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama, the new book, What Does It Mean to Be Welcoming? Navigating LGBT Questions in Your Church. Thank you, Pastor. Impact Mortgage Corp. DBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS 128231. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer not available in Washington. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. Attention homeowners. Dreaming about that home improvement project? With a strong housing market, chances are your home's value has gone up. And with a 15-year fixed interest rate of just 2.99% with a 3.202% APR, a cash-out refinance from Cash Call Mortgage could lower your interest rate and give you the cash you need for those home improvements. At Cash Call Mortgage, we're a direct lender and we can close your refi in as fast as 20 days with no upfront deposit. If you qualify, we'll even pay your closing cost. Whether it's for home improvements, getting rid of debt, or just putting away extra money for that inevitable rainy day, Cash Call Mortgage could mean achieving two great financial moves with just one call. The cash you need now and a lower interest rate. For a free quote to see if you qualify, call Cash Call Mortgage at 800-990-6947. That's 800-990-6947. 800-990-6947. Summit Church presents She Is Light, the 2019 She Is Conference, October 25th and 26th at the Kowalczyk Convention Center in Indiana, PA. A powerful two-day gathering for women of all ages, dedicated to seeing every woman rooted and grounded in who she is in Christ. Join hundreds of other women for uplifting worship and inspirational teaching with special guests Lisa Harper, Havila Cunnington, and more. The She Is Conference 2019. Get tickets now at sheisconference.org. Everything 
that we do in the office is to provide a comforting feel to you and your family. Stock Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. We do value the time that you spend at our office, and we understand that you don't have hours and hours because lives are crazy nowadays. But we want to really make sure that the time you're spending with us is efficient and effective and works for you as an individual. Harry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade with over 50 professionally certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community with results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average. Schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Tonight, chillier air moves in. Skies will turn out partly cloudy and will drop to 43. Then tomorrow, you'll see partly to mostly sunny skies. We'll have a cool breeze with a high 58. Variable cloudiness tomorrow night with a low of 44. Then Thursday, you'll see a mix of clouds and sunshine. It'll be a little milder with a nice afternoon. The high will be 66. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. ABC News reported, I don't know, maybe three or four days ago, this video of uh, an Oregon coach disarming a student. Uh, This is an article I'm going to read portions of by Ella Torres and Karma Allen. And it says that uh, stunning surveillance footage captured the moment a high school coach in Oregon disarmed a student with a shotgun and then held him in his arms. Now, if you haven't seen this, it is really worth seeing. In fact, I'll put it up on our website and at uh, our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. Um, Keenan Lowe, a football and track and field coach at Park Rose High School, can be seen walking through the hallways, entering a classroom, uh, and then when he emerges, he's holding a shotgun and backing away from wow. student Angel Granados Diaz before another teacher comes up and takes the weapon away. And then, in an extraordinary moment, Lowe embraces Granados Diaz and the two hug for at least a minute. Whoa. The police eventually arrive. They take the kid into custody. The coach is hailed as a hero following the incident. Um, And he goes on to say this. um, I kind of assessed the situation and my instincts kicked in. I lunged for the gun. We kind of both had it at one point. We had kind of four hands on the gun. Students were running out of the classroom. Um, I barely had time to think about my own safety. I was really (laughs) trying to keep care of the kids. Um, But he said to be around the kids and to be there for the community. And in that moment, I was called upon. I just reacted. And like I said, instincts kicked in and I was able to make something good that could have been very, very tragic. He said, 
quote, I feel like I was put in that room for a reason. You know, the shooter didn't, he didn't know I was in the room when he opened the door. And I think there are things in my life that have prepared me for that very moment. I thank God that no one got hurt. And I thank God that I was in that room. Now, there are more details about the kid that he was having a mental health crisis. And it could have just been either a suicide. It could have been a suicide homicide. It could have just been people getting hurt. It could have been anything except what it ended up being thanks to that coach. Boy, oh, boy. I mean, you know, what strikes me is my instincts kicked in. Holy smokes. I mean, there's a kid with a shotgun. I mean, your instincts generally would be to get the heck out of there, right? But someone going against their instincts, moving towards that kid to try to disarm that child. Wow. And I've seen the video. It 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 really really is is. fascinating. Okay, so college football, again, uh, makes the rounds here. This is a totally different story. And this is a whole different approach. It sure is. Okay, so... Uh, Clemson versus Louisville. Clemson, number four in the country this year. They uh, killing everyone else in the Big East. They really are. They beat Louisville forty-five to ten on Saturday. Taking and there was um, a third quarter a defensive back by the name of Andrew Bo- uh, Andrew Booth, um, a punt return, and uh, this Andrew Booth during the the game he. Uh, Piles upon this guy. There's a, a confrontation after the whistle blew, and uh, Andrew Booth threw a punch at the uh, at the guy on the ground holding the ball. So you know the play's over. The the guy's holding the ball. The guy, uh, other guy, Andrew Booth, comes over and goes boom and smacks him. Andrew Booth is from Clemson, right? So immediately, Andrew Booth was ejected from the game, and uh, the coach from Clemson, a guy named uh, Dabo Swinney. He uh, says, get off the field, go into the locker room, and get out of your uniform right away. And so he did. And then after the game, there was a team meeting where Andrew Booth apologized to the team. And Dabo Sweeney said, well, that's all fine and good, but here's the deal. Instead of you getting on the team airplane to go back to Clemson in South Carolina, you're going to get on the equipment bus. Now, you imagine how you know college football teams travel. All the players are on an airplane, right. but all that equipment, balls and uniforms and, you know, Shoes and helmets and everything. So that's usually manned by, you know, a few guys who are the trainers and things like that. They're on the team bus. So Andrew Booth had to get on the team bus with the trainers. It was a seven-hour ride. And Dabo Sweeney said, seven hours? You'll have time to think about what you did. Now, in the end, Dabo Sweeney said this about Andrew Booth. If you would have lined up 100 kids and said, who was the kid who was going to do this? This would be the last guy that I would have thought would have done that. He comes from a great family. He's a quality kid. He just got caught up in the heat of the moment, but he had to be taught a lesson. And after that? He'll never do it again. Boy, you got that right. I mean, I love the story of these two coaches because they responded so differently. You know, one ends up hugging a guy who was ready to shoot up a classroom or may have been ready to shoot up a classroom. Another coach responds to a a kid who does something that has much less import, but he hits somebody in a football game. And he says, you know what? I'm glad you're sorry, but you're still riding seven hours back in the bus with the equipment guys so you can think about what you did. I appreciate both of them. Me too. I mean, coaching... How difficult that is. I mean, it's so, so thankless until you reach the higher levels. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a high school football coach, just loving on, you know, guys or young girls, right, trying to do the right thing, not making a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those lessons, we were talking to Stephen Mansfield about this a little earlier, about, you know, lessons of leadership, 
Both those lessons, right, those men are teaching leadership skills to a younger generation. So fabulous. Really good. If there's a coach in your life that coaches your kids or your nieces and nephews or maybe he's a neighbor of yours, tell him thanks. Mm -hmm. Tell her thanks because um, they're having such an immense impact on those kids. One hundred one point five WORD. Here's Doctor Charles Stanley. There isn't anything in this Bible that is unimportant. There are no attributes of God, no characteristics of God that are not essential in my relationship to Him. Not one single thing. Hear Volume Two of the series, The Character of God, this week on In Touch with Doctor Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at eight thirty on one hundred one point five WORD. Forevermark Diamond Tribute Collection for your courage, passion, determination, for your tenderness, spirit, and the way you love. For all that you are, the Forevermark Tribute Collection, a diamond for each of your qualities. Forevermark, beautiful, rare, responsibly sourced. Explore the Forevermark Tribute Collection at Trinity Jewelers Mount Needle Road. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Nello was very easy to work with. Impact Christian Church on building ministry with Nello Construction. We had become aware of several churches that are using their building during the week as a community center, and we wanted to go that direction. They were able to grasp that, make suggestions that helped us along the way, and they were conscious of our financial constraints and were really good at helping us to see ways that we could do that within our budget but within the space that we were developing. Got a vision? Begin the journey at nelloconstruction.com. Camping in the great outdoors can be a lot of fun, but it's not the most conducive environment for your next retreat. Antiochian Village offers the best of both worlds with 300 acres of beautiful woodlands near historic Ligonier, plus all the technology and connectivity you need to make your retreat a success. With 100 hotel-style guest rooms, 18 meeting rooms, and several outstanding full-service dining menus, 10,000 guests every year can't be wrong. Antiochian Village. Book now at antiochianvillage.org. Regenerate me. Regenerate me. Please regenerate me. Why suffer with joint pain? There's a new treatment that offers more potential than stem cell therapy. At Regenerate Me Pittsburgh, now in Bethel Park, certified medical professionals offer advanced biological therapies, also known as ABT. A full recovery without surgery or drugs is possible. Get a complete diagnostic review plus your first treatment for just $100 for a limited time. See if you qualify. Call 412-851-3811. 8513811 Washington County parents, you have a choice in your child's education. For nearly 40 years, Central Christian Academy in Houston is where pre-K through 8th grade students receive the comprehensive education they need to become top of the class. Learn more at ccaschool.com. Together, we can turn a stairwell into an ER at a moment's notice. Together, we can turn a rescue ship for refugees into a maternity ward. Together, we can vaccinate 710,000 people in just 11 days. Together, we are Doctors Without Borders. Doctors Without Borders goes where others don't to provide life-saving medical care. Learn more at doctorswithoutborders.org. Palm Springs, for the last, I don't know how many decades, back to what I'd say the 1950s has been seen as kind of a, a playland for Hollywood elites. <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? I've never been there, but it looks lovely. I've been to Palm Springs. But it's, you know, where Frank Sinatra was, right, right. you know, Sammy Davis hung out there. 
Marilyn Monroe was there. Judy Garland was there. I mean, it's just, you know, the the big stars of the day were there. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there's some kind of like a, it, it's not a Hollywood Walk of Fame, but it's called the Walk of Stars in Palm, String, Palm Springs. And so it talks about Elvis and, you know, Sinatra. And there are 400 celebrities that are on this downtown drag. But here's the thing. Marilyn Monroe is one of the people who's immortalized there. And back in 2012, there was a 26-foot-tall statue of Marilyn Monroe, which came to Palm Palm Springs. Now, it was on exhibit there outside for two years, and it's the famous image of Marilyn Monroe from the movie... Some Like It Hot. Right. No. Seven Year Itch. I oh, think Seven Year Itch. Was, okay. I think. So she's above the subway grate. Right. Right? And the so, air blows up. Right. And she's holding her skirt down. Right. So um, that left. It was there for two years. Um, and now they're thinking of bringing it back. But it has brought up this whole issue in Palm Springs. A couple issues. One is... Now, wait a minute. We know the whole story about Marilyn Monroe. We know how she was victimized in Hollywood. We know how she utilized sex to get ahead in her profession. And we know how she was dominated by men in the industry and, of course, men in her personal life. And she had an incredibly sad end of her life. Surely did. So is this – do we celebrate her and her life with this image alone in Palm Springs and by doing it, knowing that we are post-hashtag MeToo – what does that say about our love for Hollywood elites over the last half century? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's a really complex, really interesting story. Because the statue itself, as you said, was it 26 feet tall? Yeah. So it's gigantic. So, you know, uh, you stand essentially underneath Under, right, Marilyn right. Monroe's skirt that's flying up in the air. Right. You know, I'm sure you know. You know, it's you know, it's covered in fiberglass. There's not you know anatomically correct or anything like that. But it's still, it's a weird impression of you're standing looking up right. Marilyn Monroe's I, skirt. I remember when that came out. I thought it was horrible. Kind of weird. Well, so at first, it, it didn't make its appearance in Palm Springs, right? It first uh, was in another city. I think it might have been. I don't remember maybe, where it was first. I know it was only there for two years. In Palm Springs. And people felt ambivalent about it while it was there. There were people that loved it. And there were people that were like, really? That's kind of gross. Right. So here's the thing about Marilyn Monroe. You know, um, Marilyn Monroe, while she was alive, spoke and wrote um, courageously about how she was used and abused by men. Now, on the flip side of that, Marilyn Monroe also spoke uh, openly and courageously about how she used the men who used her to find herself right. as a major star. Right. So there's two sides of the coin here. There is. Which is and both things probably contributed to her drug use, which, of course, contributed to her death. Right. And then, of course, Bobby Kennedy and John Kennedy are wrapped up in the story. I forgot about that part. Along with Joe DiMaggio. I mean, it is as iconic of an American story. She was married to Joe DiMaggio and Arthur Miller, for goodness sake. I mean, singularly, that alone, I, that's in some ways why I think this, the statue is kind of cheap and tawdry. But at the same time, because she was so iconic and she was such a seminal part of that sexual thing that Hollywood is. And here we are, post Harvey Weinstein, hashtag Me Too. It's a good you know, look, we've been tearing statues down because they've offended people, and in many instances, rightly so. So, why not put a few statues up that would, in, you know, engage people in conversation about issues like this? Yeah, okay, but is that statue. 
What what bothers me about it is I think it projects what has always been the injustice of Marilyn Monroe, and that is that we equate her as a person with her image as the sex symbol. But she perpetrated that by her as well. But by her death, we recognize how wrong we all were, her and us together. Right. So there's too much... There's too much implication. There's a, lot of there. There's a lot. I mean, it's our fault, our in America, our fault that she ended up where she was. It's also her fault. But it's not like you know we were just you know, naive uh, bystanders. Now we played a part in that because we, feel, we, fe- we played a big part because in we it. fed into that and made her a star. Right. I mean, she was she was a megastar. I mean, you know, and of course there were other megastars before her, Clara Bow and think, you know, women right. like that. But you know, in the modern but, age, but fast, holy smokes! Fa- fast forward to the new princess in Britain, right? You've seen the stories over the last two days. Her coming out and saying that the paparazzi is absolutely killing her. They are, of course, they are. This they're is like they, eating. They killed eating, Princess Di. They're eating her alive. It's right? A, it's the same thing. They don't look at these people. As people, they look at them as an image, and that's enough. But Marilyn Monroe perpetrated that image. So look, do all the British royalty, but it doesn't no, make no, no. it right. When you see when you see that image of the the video footage of Marilyn Monroe singing "Happy Birthday, Mr. To John President," Kennedy, right? I mean, you know, she was in on the, the ruse, so I to know. speak. But that doesn't make the part that the American public played blameless. No, I'm sure it doesn't. No, the statue itself kind of cheesy. Personally, if it was here in Pittsburgh, I wouldn't want to go see it. But, you know, that's Palm Springs. They think it's a tourist destination and good for the city itself. I love the joy that children bring to the office. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I like creating those good, positive first experiences. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. You have my word on it. You've all helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. For example, MyPillow is bringing back their popular BOGO offer for all MyPillows. That's right. Buy one MyPillow, get another absolutely free. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the buy one, get one free for all MyPillows. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD. Get your truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Credit Karma, here's to progress. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, Find extreme accessories for all your dirty jobs, like hauling landscape supplies. Protect your vehicle with spray-on bed liners, tonneau covers, WeatherTech floor liners, and more. Say goodbye to dirt and grime inside and out with extreme detailing. Plus, lift kits, electronics, and remote starters, always a favorite. Extreme car and truck in Bridgeville, for the extreme in all of us. At ExtremeTruck.net. 
still be at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage. Open enrollment ends December 7th, and you have some important decisions to make today. Medicare is confusing. We all know it. But Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial know you have questions, and they've got the answers that you're looking for. Before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold Pat for another year? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premiums are going up next year, and by how much? Should you switch your Part D prescription plan, or should you drop it altogether? Don't go it alone. Let Marley Financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want. A plan that focuses not just on cost, but quality, with lower deductibles and co-pays little to none. Why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses? Visit MarleyFG.com today. That's MarleyFG.com. Well, who's that playing? That's nice. Believe it or not, that is uh, Jeff Goldblum, Pittsburgh-born. Homestead. I have to tell you, until I saw this video that Mike showed me, I never knew he played the piano. Really? Okay, so Jeff Goldblum left Homestead at the age of 17, moved to New York City, where he uh, started working as an actor with uh, Sanford Meisner. From there... Um, Jurassic he, Park? Yeah. I mean, he, he was Thor in, Ragnarok? He was in, um, you know, a bunch of... He was in The Big Chill. Oh, I never saw that. Uh, he was in, you know, Woody Allen films and things like that. But he's a gigantic star. He's he really, so weird and he quirky. He was so good in Thor Ragnarok. Was he not, Mike? He was hysterical. Was I just he? loved I him. I didn't see it. It was, oh absolutely, it was absolutely... You need to see it, John. He's it's hilarious. A, I just think he's a really interesting oh. guy. Um he got married a few years back. He was once married to Gina Davis, who I love. Was loved. he? Yeah. yeah. He married someone 30 years younger than him. Nice. They have a right? lot in common. That's they a- can like think <laughs> back to their favorite songs in high school. Yeah, but yeah, right. Happy birthday, Jeff Goldblum. Come back to Pittsburgh. I think you're always welcome here. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.